0: Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. If you're like me, you don't spend a lot of time thinking about Satan. That's right, as our thoughts are really to be about our Lord, about our Heavenly Father, and the blessings we receive from Him. And if our mind is right, then we're not really thinking about Satan and yet it would be wrong to ignore him. The reason we don't want to ignore him is because we know that he seeks to do us harm. We must be like the ancient soldiers who placed the guards upon the towers that they might look out on behalf of the city and thus warn if an enemy was approaching. We can't be consumed day and night with fears of the enemy, but we must be ever mindful that he exists that he is cunning, and that he seeks to do us harm. God warns us about the true nature and character of Satan so that we will be on guard in case we must deal with him. So today, we want to think about what is Satan really like? What is his true character? In order to get an answer to that, we must investigate the scriptures in order to know the truth. And the first thing we want to consider from the scriptures, from the very beginning, is that Satan does not believe in God's Word. From the very beginning, Satan made it clear. He is an unbeliever. He does not believe God's Word. Is that not what he was trying to do with respect to the woman in the garden? Was he not trying to get her to see that whatever God says, God doesn't mean it. God can't be trusted to fulfill His promises. Consider the conversation between him and the woman, as recorded in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He plainly asks the woman, Do you believe what God has said? Do you know what God has said? And her response was yes. And she even explained to him what God had said. And then the serpent tries to tell her that whatever God said, he didn't really mean it. He's lying. And so the serpent gives an alternative explanation for what it really means. God doesn't want you to experience great things. He doesn't want you to be like him, which is just another way of saying God lied to you. Yes, Satan does not believe what God says, and he tries to get people to believe that whatever God has said is not true. And so much of religious error that is taught today falls right down this pathway. Some folks don't believe in hell. God teaches that there is such a place. Jesus specifically mentions in Matthew chapter 25 that those that he tells to depart will go into everlasting fire, everlasting punishment. But Satan persuades people that God is really not going to punish anyone. Certainly, if the majority of the people of the world are unbelievers, God would not destroy them. Some who call themselves Christians even question this teaching. And then there are those who question the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, through the prophets, testified that such would happen. The apostles preached that it did happen. Jesus said that he and the Father would work together to make it happen. Satan wants us not to believe that, because Satan doesn't believe God's Word, and he persuades people to reject God's Word. Surely, Jesus could not have been resurrected, but the Scriptures say that he was. It is the foundational basis of our believing in him as the Christ, his being victorious over death, and by that defeating Satan himself. But there's another thing that Satan believes. He believes that you and I cannot be faithful to God. God depends upon our faithfulness. It is a requirement such that we might remain in fellowship with him. And so such passages as 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 which say, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. That's just another way of saying being faithful. We walk in the light. We continue following the light of God's word. God depends upon our desire and determination to maintain our relationship with him so that he can bless us now and for all eternity. But Satan doesn't believe we can do that. All we have to do is go to the book of Job in Job chapter 1. And here we have an account of God allowing Satan to come into his presence And God asks Satan about the man Job. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. So God reveals unto us that he knew the character of Job. He knew he was a good man. He knew he was a reverential man. He knew he was a faithful man. In verses 7 through 11 of that chapter, it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. To eschew means to detest, to uh, turn away from. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to the face. So Satan said, the only reason Job serves you is if you've blessed him. Job is just responding to what you've given him. Give him something nice and he'll be nice to you. Well, that's not such a bad idea if you think about it. But then Satan says, why don't you take all those things away from him? I bet if you take all those things away from him, he won't be nice to you. He won't fear you. He won't reverence you. But Job did. Job remained faithful before the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 22, it says, after all these things happened, after God allowed all of those blessings to be removed, it says, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He accepted the fact that he received blessings and he recognized that sometimes in life those blessings can be lost. And he said, in effect, that's not God's actions toward me. And so he refused to blame God. Satan thinks the only time we're going to obey God is when everything is good. So when things go bad, he believes that we're going to curse God. That's why he wants things to be bad. So in chapter 2, God again asks Satan, have you considered my servant Job? So Satan's response is skin for skin, all that a man hath he will give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Notice who it is that does the afflicting. It's Satan. He's happy to cause harm. He's happy to bring distress and anxiety and grief upon us because he believes we'll charge God foolishly. He believes that if we suffer and experience pain in our life, we'll turn away from God. But God believes that we can work through that. God believes that we are greater in our character to know that pain and suffering may come upon us, but we can still maintain our faith to God through it. Who believes that man can be faithful in the face of death and disease and destruction? It is God. Who believes that man will use any excuse to turn away from God? It is Satan. Friends, we have to learn to believe as God believes and not give in to the belief of Satan. Satan wants to do us harm because he believes by so doing he will gain us and we will lose God. And we need to be made of sterner stuff in our faithful character that we don't turn away from God simply because the world has been unkind to us. A third thing we note about Satan is that he is a murderer. It may be that Satan never actually killed anyone, but his works have the same effect. The scriptures are clear in many areas about the fact that one does not actually have to commit sin in order to bear some guilt with respect to it. Consider the situation with respect to the prophet Ezekiel. God commissioned him to go to the people of Judah who were in captivity in Babylon and to warn them. In Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 17 through 19, God said, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. God clearly made Ezekiel responsible to warn the people, and if he failed to do so, God told him he would be responsible. In effect, Ezekiel could do nothing, and some would die. He could claim that it was not his fault that they had sinned, but God warned that it was Ezekiel's job to help the people to learn about repentance and have a desire to return unto God. If Ezekiel allowed the people to go without warning, they would die for their sins and God would hold Ezekiel responsible. So Ezekiel had a job to do and simply not doing that job, even if he did not do evil, would not relieve him of his responsibility. But in that respect, because the people sinned and God was warning the people through Ezekiel, Ezekiel, would also be to blame. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. There were many in that crowd of Jewish leaders whose actions were destroying the souls of others. In the beginning of that chapter, they had brought a woman to Jesus that they said was caught in the act of adultery. If that were so, there should have been two people brought, but they only brought the woman. In the law of Moses, it said that if two are caught in the act of adultery, they could be stoned. But these Jewish leaders brought the woman and then wanted Jesus to condemn her to be stoned. They were being deceitful, and their deceit could lead to the destruction of others. So Jesus said, you're just like your father, the devil. There were those in that crowd whose goal it was to destroy the souls of others. Jesus had pointed out earlier in the Gospels that some religious leaders were causing others to fall. Consider what is written in Matthew 23 and verses 2 through 7. Jesus said, The scribes and Pharisees were binding heavy burdens on men, burdens that they themselves could not bear, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you, observe that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders." But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uttermost room at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and being greeted in the market and being called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi so they loved wearing clothes that displayed their religiosity, their piety. They loved being hailed as being religious leaders. They loved being seen in the uppermost seats in the places of worship. But Jesus said their real work was not to help individuals, but simply to laden glory upon themselves. He said to his disciples that their actions then, that the actions of these religious leaders was hypocritical, in verses 13 through 39, he publicly declares that their works were hypocritical. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Jesus said, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. These things that the scribes and Pharisees were doing were destroying people. So later, Jesus said that they were, in effect, acting like the devil whose works destroy. When in the beginning the devil persuaded the woman to disobey God and partake of the fruit, he led her away from God and into sin and death. He is a murderer, and we be careful. And we need to be careful not to follow his works, not to listen to his words, or we'll end up where he will eventually end up, in the lake that burns everlastingly with fire. A couple of more thoughts about the character of Satan. Fourthly, he's a liar. If folks would just learn this one verse, it would hopefully save them a lot of trouble. In John chapter 8, we were just looking in John chapter 8, but in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus went on to say, in speaking of Satan, that he, he is a murderer, and he went on to say, And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Why would anyone believe the words of a habitual liar? You and I will not listen to, nor heed the words of any person we know who speaks not the truth. And we know such folks who speak words that they think others want to hear, but they're never speaking truthful. They always want to up somebody else. They always want to say, well, you did that, I did this, when we know it's not true. Or they tell us something that we know did not happen because they want to make themselves the center of attention. We don't trust the words of these people. We never believe what they say and we know that because of the life they lead, eventually they're going to be in trouble if they don't repent. But that's Satan. He's a liar all the time. He never speaks the truth, but daily people are persuaded to believe him, and listening to him, their lives are destroyed. But a final thought. Did you know Satan eats people? Nobody wants to think about eating somebody else. I don't, and I don't think you would either. Yet Peter tells us, that Satan is like a roaring lion. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Not a pretty picture, is it? Peter describes him as a hungry lion waiting to pounce on anyone he can find to eat them, to kill them, and devour them. He's hungry. He'll take anyone. How evil is he? He eats people. So the scriptures are quite clear. Satan murders. He lies. He eats people. He's deceptive. He doesn't believe God's word. That's his character, and he's consistent in it always. And that's why God warns us, stay away from him. Come into the light. Come out of the darkness. Obey the gospel. Be a friend of Jesus. Be a child of God. Once again, this is Jim Walsh, thank you so very much for listening to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. I hope you have a really good day.